0: You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed.
1: I seek refuge with Allah from Satan the accursed, in the name of Allah, the gracious the merciful. Peace be upon you, good morning, and welcome to the breakfast show with The Voice of Islam with the Imam Tukhita Nuriya Masa, Huli Dhamad. The time is three minutes past seven, and it is Friday, the 1st of September, 2023. As always, we have uh, a very interesting show this morning. I hope for our listeners, uh, the breakfast show is an interactive broadcast. It means that all our listeners have the opportunity to join in, and any of the discussions taking place during the course of the program. All you need to do is uh, pick up the phone, dial zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, and share your thoughts with us. Uh, alternatively, you can. Uh, Uh, tweet us or is it access uh, at Voice of Islam UK. Uh, There uh, are a variety of different subjects that are going to be explored this morning. Uh, So do take a plunge and make contact with us on anything that has stimulated your interest. In a few minutes' time, uh, we'll begin with a rundown of the weather before uh, before going on to examine some of the news stories that are doing the rounds these days. Won't be spending too much time on each and try and rattle through as many as possible through the first half hour. Anyway, you can have your say as mentioned before on anything that we uh, we discuss uh, in the contact details that were given earlier. Uh, those familiar with the show will know that we have two main topics that uh, we deal with um, in some detail. Uh, so uh, this morning, Uh, To start us off, we will be looking at uh, a mental health issue and particularly of what we can, uh, how, not what, but how we can deal uh, with stresses of life better and what are the safeguards that exist within the human condition that helps us uh, deal with those uh, uh, stresses. Uh, So the title of this topic is What is Psychological Immunity? And how can we build ours? So that's the title of for topic, Psycholo- uh, Psychological Immunity, what, I- what Is It? And How We Can Build Ours? And we'll be exploring this with the help of Dr. Joseph uh, Barker, who is uh, a Chartered Clinical Psychologist and Clinical Director of Connect Clinical Psychology. Uh, we'll be broaching this topic between 7.30 and 8.15. So if you are interested in this particular issue, then do make sure that you remain tuned in uh, during, those, uh, during that period uh, so that uh, you can uh, draw uh, what ben- benefit you can from it. Uh, now, as far as our second main topic is concerned, uh, we'll be reviewing the subject of how to maintain good health, uh, w- and the topic title is, Walking for a Healthier Life, How Increasing Your Step Count Could Reduce Your Risk of Dying an Early Death. So, Walking for a Healthier uh, Life, How Increasing Your Step Count Could Reduce Your Risk of Dying an Early Death, that's the the subject of our second uh, main topic, and uh, we anticipate discussing this with our listeners. So please don't be shy, take a plunge, and call in to share your views on this subject. And we'll, of course, be having the Islamic standpoint on all we discuss throughout the course of the program. So without further ado, let's go uh, uh, straight Uh, to the rest of the programme. We'll go for a short break and then we'll come straight back. Don't go away. Uh, We'll come straight back with the weather and uh, some news that is taking place in and around the wider media.
2: You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day.
1: Peace be upon you. Good morning. Welcome back to The Breakfast Show The Voice of Islam with me, Barid Ahmed. The uh, time is, let me just check, uh, time is approaching eight minutes past seven. Uh, as mentioned uh, before the short break, uh, we will be looking at the weather as far as the weather is concerned. Well, it's uh, decidedly autumn now that we've entered the month of September. Uh, as far as the BBC weather forecasters are saying, uh, it seems that today Northern Ireland, Southern Scotland and Northern England will stay mostly cloudy with spells of rain slowly easing. Sunny spells elsewhere, so it's only spells uh, that we will be experiencing. Um, and uh, there will be sharp showers in Southern England and uh, Wales. Uh, and as far as the evening is concerned, any daytime showers will ease and clear spells will develop for many. A variable cloud will linger across northern England, southern Scotland and northern Ireland mist and fog uh, forming later so that's uh, what uh, the weather uh, is showing uh, as it regards uh, news uh, in the wider media is concerned uh, well uh, when we consider activities in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in particular. There is a big event taking place in Germany which is the Jalsa Salana uh, that is taking place this uh, this weekend. Uh, His Holiness is over there at the moment so a lot of excitement uh, certainly in that uh, in that country. Uh, it has been uh, a few years since His Holiness has travelled to uh, preside over the Jalsa Salana there uh, and um, Uh, we will be receiving news of how that is developing uh, during the course of uh, the next few days, I'm sure. Um, In the wider uh, media, as far as the news is concerned, there are many items that I suppose one can uh, mention at this stage. Um, There was this particular story about a police officer losing his life, trying to save the life of another uh, this uh, story was certainly one of heroism. It involved a police officer who went uh, to the aid of a man in distress. However, in an effort to save his life, it appears he lost his own. The incident happened in uh, Balderton uh, just before 7pm on Thursday, the 24th of August. Uh, Sergeant Graham Saville, a, a response officer, based at New York uh, Police Station, was called to attend the incident. He sustained serious injuries when he was hit by a train as he attempted to save a distressed man. He was taken to Queen's uh, Medical Center where, despite the best efforts of medical staff, the 46-year-old died the day before yesterday, that's uh, Tuesday, uh, with his uh, family at his bedside. So is it the day before yesterday? No, it's the two days before yesterday. Uh, paying respect to Sergeant Savile, Chief Constable Kate Maynor uh, said today is a day of mourning for the entire police family. Graham was a hugely respected and popular colleague and his death in the line of duty has come as enormous shock to us all. On Thursday he went to work to protect the people of Nottinghamshire from harm and it is testament to his bravery and dedication as a police officer that he was fatally injured while attempting to save another man's life. His service and sacrifice will never be forgotten. As regards the man whose life was saved, he is 29, he sustained electricity-inflicted injuries and was taken to hospital, where he remains. But his injuries are not uh, not believed to be life-changing. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak paid tribute to Sergeant Sevil's bravery, uh, posting on X. Uh, previously known as Twitter. He wrote, uh, it is a testament to his bravery that he died in the line of duty and a terrible reminder of the work the uh, police do every day to keep us safe. Uh, End of quote from uh, uh, the Prime Minister. Um, The heroism of uh, Sergeant Seville reminds me of that statement in the Holy Quran which says uh, in chapter 5, verse 33, and whoever saves a life. It is as though he had saved the lives of all mankind. Um, so this verse is a significant verse because contrary to the character of Muslims being painted at times in the media as individuals bent on violence and killing, this verse shows uh, the, the emphasis that Islam lays or puts uh, on uh, not taking lives but saving lives. Uh, saving a life is an onerous and a virtuous act and akin to saving the life of the whole of humanity. Uh, there can be uh, several forms of saving man from death. A man may be ill or wounded, as of his nationality, or race or colour. Um, if uh, you know that he is or she is in need of your help, then it is your duty as far as Islam is concerned and what Islamic teachings uh, say, that you should arrange for his treatment or her treatment for disease or wound. And if or she is dying of starvation, then it is your duty to feed him or her so that uh, he or she can ward off death. If he's drowning or if she is drowning or his life uh, or uh, their life is at stake, then it is uh, your duty to save him. This shows that Islam is very much a faith that is inclined to preserving life. And any act that can promote this Is considered to be virtuous. The exception, of course, is where the implementation of justice is involved. So that's um, uh, it. Was one particular story that uh, caught my eye. And the other uh, interesting story was uh, something that was mentioned in the Times on Wednesday, and uh, the newspaper reported that Britain. Uh, could no longer be considered a Christian country. And that was the verdict of three-quarters of the Church of England priests. Uh, I think a few thousand of them were actually interviewed, uh, or uh, their views uh, were taken. Um, And much of this is being blamed on uh, popular culture, including the opposition. To same-sex marriages, to premarital sex, and so forth and so on, and it is feared that the decline, that this decline may ultimately lead to the uh, extinction of the Church of England. Uh, figures from the 2021 census showed the proportion of people identifying as Christian in England and Wales was less than half, falling to just 46.2 percent. The Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, Justin Welby, said in 2021 when uh, the census results were revealed that uh, the Church is not on its way out. But then he also conceded, and this is quite telling, uh, that uh, uh, 70 unbroken years of declining attendances, with less than uh, 2% of the population now attending. Is worrying. Uh, the Times data investigation found that for every Anglican church that was closed between 2010 and 2016, a span of what six seven years, two mosques were opened. But the decline in their belief is not mainly due to its relevance to popular culture. Its malaise, uh, many contend, lies in its doctrinal beliefs. Uh, like the trinity and expectation of the descent of the bodily, uh, um, no, the bodily descent of Jesus Christ from the heavens. And in an increasingly educated uh, nation, such beliefs which were held so strongly in the past and served as the foundation of Christianity are now being treated as fantasy uh, or nothing but fiction. Um, interestingly, this is exactly what the founder of the Muslim community, the Promised Messiah, predicted in his book, The Narrative of Two Martyrdoms. And this he wrote at the turn of uh, the uh, 20th century. And he wrote, and I'll just give a brief extract of what he said uh, in this respect that is relevant to what we are covering. He says "I Remember very well that no one will descend from heaven. All our opponents who live today shall die and none of them shall ever see Jesus, son of Mary, coming down from the heavens. Then the children that are left after them shall also die and none of them shall ever see Jesus, son of Mary, coming down from heaven. And then the third generation shall also die and they too shall not see the son of Mary coming down. Then God shall cause great consternation in their hearts, yet the son son of Mary has not come down. Then, in dismay, the wise among them shall forsake this belief, and three centuries from now shall not have passed when those who await the coming of Jesus, Son of Mary, whether they be Muslims or Christians, shall relinquish altogether this conception. And it appears, that's the end of that quote, and it appears that what has been predicted over a 100 years ago is being realized now. Belief of those who once were convinced that the Lord Jesus Christ, Son of Mary, would descend from the heavens and preside over the world with justice, etc., has certainly waned and all but forgotten and may not be too long before Britain, indeed the world, will be searching for a new divine path. And that, we believe, will be found in the ascendancy of Islam. Do you agree? Uh, Do you have any view on that? Do you have any comment? If you do, we'll be uh, uh, eager and keen to hear from you. Let me just see uh, what the time is. The time is now approaching 19 minutes past uh, 7. Imam Tokir, As-salamu Um, um I, I thought I'd discuss this particular item with you. It, it's more enjoyable because it's about football <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and the Champions League and also about the uh, UEFA Player of the Year. Do you know who he was? I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure, So no. I live uh, with uh, two young... My sons who are young men now, and they are football-crazy, so they feed me a lot of this information, and they certainly fed me this. Uh, but the UEFA Player of the Year this year is Erling Haaland, so no surprise there. Mm, yeah, no, uh, no surprise. Really. And. Um, the PFA player of the year, uh, this is, I think, the UK only, or should I say England, uh, was uh, early in Haaland as well. But uh, Saka got uh, the young player of the year, despite the fact that Haaland was also in this category. Mm. So that's raised a few eyebrows, because um, uh, it's not, it doesn't seem right. Um, if it is a case that you don't want to give uh, both accolades to the same individual, then uh, that's not falling tradition because uh, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, also was voted as Young Player and uh, Player of the Year. Absolutely. And same with uh, Bale. Uh, he was also um, Gareth Bale. He was also voted both. Mm. So there is there are some um, some con- well some questions being raised there. As far as the other big uh, football news is regarding the Champions League. Uh, that draw was uh, announced, and um, some notable um, um, meetings are expected uh, with Newcastle's group. I mean, they've come back after twenty years of absence, and they'll be facing PSG, Milan, and Dortmund. Uh, we, uh, my uh, um, sons, tell me that that is a group of death, so they view it as that. So it's a it's a very difficult group. Uh, Arsenal uh, have been absent for six years from uh, the Champions League. Sevilla, PSV, Lens are their uh, opponents in that group. And then uh, Man United have Canes, Bayern Munich in their group, along with Copenhagen and Galatasaray. Uh, the favourites, Man City, have got a comfortable group, uh, facing Leipzig, CR Vienna, and uh, Young Boys, and this is a Swiss club. Uh, and um, the other news is that uh, our European, our experts from the Premier League to European leagues, uh, our Continental League, so I say, are doing quite well. Harry Kane uh, is getting goals for Bayern Munich, having scored three in two games. And Duke Bellingham has been a big surprise, has taken the Spanish League by storm, uh, being voted player of the month and scoring four goals in just three matches. For Real Madrid, so that's uh, looking good for for our boys. Anyway, that that was the football news. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything uh, interesting that has caught your eye?
0: Um, in terms of the Amdi Muslim Community, we know that uh, you know, the annual convention in Germany is taking place. Um, so a lot of uh, you know His Holiness Azam Zamzuram, head of the Amdi Muslim Community, he has also graced the um, Uh, you know, with his presence, the attendees there in Germany. And uh, just, uh, you know, during his tour, there have been two um, receptions which have been held for the mosque openings in Germany. One has been in Karben in Germany. um, uh, And uh, His Holiness also chaired this, uh, this opening of the mosque. And also... Um, and another reception was held, uh, in the mosque opening in, uh, in full start in Germany. Um, so these two key events took place, uh, during the course of this week. And, uh, um, also, as I mentioned that the, um, the convention is also now taking place. Uh, so just yesterday, uh, around 8 p.m., um, his Holiness, uh, he, he inspected the the site and also addressed the volunteers. Uh, so just a brief report of this, uh, this Al Hakam, is that His Holiness <coughs> arrived at 8 p.m. at the site in Stuttgart in Germany, um, and he inspected the site and the departments, and he also gave guidance to the volunteers, and His Holiness his inspection he also spoke with members of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Uh, you know, some members they cycled from the UK to Germany and uh from what I've been told they were from the uh elders elders association <laughs> as well, so. Okay, and well, they survived? They they did very well, actually. Okay. They did, very well. did you hear about this?
1: I didn't know the elders were also involved. With, uh, that's quite a feat.
0: From from why? So it was mainly a lot of the members from the Elders Association oh, okay. <laughs> that were uh-huh. um, that were in this. And uh, they, they did really well. I was following them on Strava as well. mm mm-hmm. Um, so that, how many roughly um, I think there must have been from what I saw there must have been a dozen uh, uh-huh. so um, but I, I don't have the full report with me um, so yeah his holiness uh, he also met with them um, and he visited the Tabligh exhibition hall uh, mm. he also saw the Holy Quran and the Chinese exhibition he spoke to African delegations and he inspected the Langar Khana after which he visited the Lajna Jalsaga mm-hmm. So, um, while addressing the, um, the volunteers, he, His Holiness, he said that, um, it is the grace of Allah the Almighty that after a long period, the community, empty Muslim community in Germany is getting the opportunity to hold, um, such a large scale Salana. and His Holiness said that. Uh, in future, God be willing, the community will will be able to acquire its own place. And speaking about the site, his, his holiness said that this year's Jalsa site is very large um, and thus requires more effort on behalf of the volunteers, especially in terms of the security arrangements as anti-Muslim and anti-MD sentiments exist. And addressing the guest, his holiness said that Food will be served to everyone, uh, but patience was needed, and those serving the food must do so in cheerful manner. And uh, like he said that to the UK, uh, Jalaluddin's volunteers that everyone must must should wear their smiles, and uh, you know th- this this is what's amazing um, that uh, every time you know when we go into that phase of Jal-Soslana, His holiness. He always guides the community that, you know, don't worry, you know, you're going to be overwhelmed with work. It's going to be a lot of people, but continue to smile and continue to show your good morals. Um, and that's very encouraging from His Holiness because you know, th- th- there is a revelation, the promised Messiah, peace be upon Him, He revealed as well that, um, that people will come and see you from... All sides, you know. So the promise, God Almighty, told the promised Messiah that do not hesitate, do not be worried, as you know, you will meet uh, people from everywhere, and uh, being the community, the community as well. When the UK hosts the Chelsasalana or be it Germany, um, you know, this what His Holiness guides the members as well, the volunteers that uh, you know, don't be overburdened, don't be overwhelmed, continue to. Um, you know, just uh, welcome the guest of the promised Messiah as well, and uh, I think I just wanted to mention from Voice of Islam's perspective as well to the listeners as well that um, you will be listening to the speeches as well of His Holiness, the addresses uh, here at Voice of Islam as well. Um, you know, the the keynote addresses of His Holiness. So do stay tuned in for that as well. Uh, so that that's that's mm-hmm. also a a big highlight.
1: Okay. Um, my highlight uh, during last week was attending a, uh, a speed awareness course <laughs> <laughs> because, because uh, I happened to be caught uh, speeding. I was doing 24 miles an hour, Wow! Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> but it happened to be in a 20-mile-an-hour zone, um, so I was offered a speed awareness course, uh, or either that or... Mm or three points and 100 pounds, uh, fine. So I thought that uh, it would be good to uh, opt for the speed awareness course. Um, Now, uh, there has been evidence, and this links to the story that I want to cover, um, that restricting uh, our speed limit to 20 miles an hour can save lives. So as a result, in London, various boroughs have instituted this much to the annoyance of some drivers. However, when Wales decided to impose this limit uh, on all urban areas, starting from 17th of September, so it's 16 days to go, motorists were not uh, amused. Uh, They are raising a protest against this. They still want the limit to remain 30 miles an hour. The protest is being uh, made by tying red ribbons on their cars why, you may ask? Well, uh, this relates to the Locomotive Act of 1865, which was set a limit to the speed that a mechanized vehicle could travel. This was the first bit of leg- legislation setting a speed limit, uh, two miles per hour in rural areas and four miles an hour in towns. So that was a long time ago. Now, anyway, RSC research suggests that adhering to the uh, 20 miles an hour is poor. So not many people adhere to it. But if enforced through speed cameras and fines, um, it can catch on. Um, as I said, I was caught travelling just 24 miles an hour uh, on such a road in Wimbledon. Um, and it's it's certainly uh, persuaded me to comply in future. The matter uh, has taken a political tone in Wales now, the Welsh Conservatives are campaigning for a reverse in the Welsh decision and the nation's Shadow Transport Minister, Natasha Asghar, said drivers continue to feel frustrated and ignored by the Labour government and feel that a visual protest is the only way to have their concerns noticed. I predict we will see a lot more red ribbons tied to cars as we approach the launch date of blanket 20 miles per hour speed limits The Labour government still has time to U-turn on this uh, anti-driver, anti-worker, anti-road agenda. In their defence, the Welsh government can point to police data from 2018 This shows that about 50% of the 5,759 casualties in road traffic accidents in Wales happened on 30 miles per hour roads, and only 2%. On 20 miles per hour zones, so that's their uh, defence to um, instituting this limit of 20 miles per hour on uh, roads in general throughout Wales. Uh, we'll see how that sorry develops, but I don't think there is going to be going to be a withdrawal of that uh, particular initiative in Wales, uh, no matter what the red ribbon protests may. Uh, Do Right, uh, I think uh, it's time that uh, we move on and look at the uh, first of our main uh, topics, uh, the uh, two stories that we are going to be dealing with in some depth. The first is uh, to do with psychological immunity. Uh, You may wonder what it is, so that's something that we'll be exploring. So the subject of this uh, particular item is what is... Uh, psychological immunity and how can we build ours. Uh, Psychological immunity is essential to our well-being as it is what helps us to endure stressful times and protects us against the threat of our mental health deteriorating because of the difficulties we face. So this segment will essentially uh, discuss the psychological immune system in greater detail, and explore tips on how to build ours. Something that we picked up from uh, the Guardian website. Uh, The psychological immune system is essentially the mind's natural self-defense system. Psychological Immunity System, uh, PIS, uh, refers to a system of cognitive, behavioral, and uh, motivational behaviors, which help individuals recover, grow, and cope with stress. In order to protect against psychological damage as a result of trauma or stress, the psychological immune system protects against negative life events, negative emotions induced by one's own experiences or the experiences of others, and crises by employing psychological antibodies, which are part of an individual's resources for resilience, and adaptation. In addition to supporting physical and mental health, proper PIS function is related to life satisfaction and well-being along with life expect- expectancy. Individuals in high-stress professions such as soldiers and medical professionals are protected by a proper functioning PIS Remembrance of Allah is the key to happiness. Surely, in Allah, the remembrance to the hearts find comfort is uh, what is uh, so what we are reminded of time and again. And ways of remembrance of Allah, you can remember Allah through many uh, many means. This can be through offering prayers, paying zakat, and even reading books to increase your religious knowledge and spiritual. Uh, and well-being. Even a quick visit to the mosque can offer a sense of belonging. Um, the, as far as the research of Gilbert and Wilson is concerned, the idea of uh, psychological immune system was popularized uh, by them in the early 2000s. The research showed that we often uh, overestimate the impact of negative events on our mood since our psychological immune system protects us from them. Uh, they say And I quote, we underestimate how quickly our feelings are going to change in part because we underestimate our ability to change them. This can lead us to make decisions that don't maximize our potential for satisfaction. Negative emotions are incorrectly expected to last longer than less intense ones because we lack faith in our own resilience. In times of difficulty, we might be able to depend more on ourselves and feel more comfortable taking risks if our psychological immune system is strengthened. Um, It is important on the list uh, four tips uh, that helps to keep psychological immune system functioning well. Uh, One is uh, the importance to move away from negative mindset and towards a neutral one. Uh, We tend to focus on bad experiences over good ones, and this is known as negativity bias. In order for our psychological immune system to kick in and move us away from negativity, it is recommended to develop habits that you can turn to in stressful situations. Uh, staying neutral allows us to feel more capable of accessing the parasympathetic nervous system, which is engaged when our bodies are not in fight, in flight, or fight mode. Uh, getting into this neutral mindset can be accomplished by changing narrative since beliefs have shown to shift our mindset very powerfully. Practicing gratitude has been shown to reduce stress hormone cortisol levels, so it might be a good idea to remind yourself of the things you are grateful for in life. You can also find a sense of calm by remembering difficult times you've gone through and taking several long, deep breaths, has also been proven to be uh, to reduce stress and lower the heart rate. Uh, so that's number one. Uh, the second point uh, and the second tip uh, are, and how to keep your psychological immune system functioning well is to try to access the present situation. Uh, meditating helps you to focus on your surroundings and studies have shown the structured or guided uh, meditations can be effective uh, therapies for reducing stress when experienced mm-hmm. distressing events it is also useful to develop a routine for your daily life and a healthy sleep pattern mm-hmm. and the third point that is made is that identify your values in life and set a long-term goal for use you, for yourself that you will strive to achieve having this goal in front of you can help uh, give uh, you resilience because your actions will be counted uh, towards achieving it uh, and finally in this uh, in this list of uh, four uh, means of how to improve or strengthen your p i s what is mentioned is uh, important to accept your feelings. Um, Having the courage to acknowledge your feelings is the best way to avoid toxic optimism. This allows you to identify if your psychological immune system is overwhelmed and you may need professional help. Now, we will be uh, speaking, I understand, to uh, Dr. Joseph Barker, who is a Chartered Clinical Psychologist and Clinical Director of uh, Connect uh, Clinical Psychology. And my screen tells me that he is on the line. Uh, Thank you very much for uh, coming on to the show, Professor
3: Barker. Hello, good morning. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, great. Um, Yes, uh, we're discussing uh, the issue of uh, what is psychological immunity. Um, What is your understanding, what is your definition of what exactly this is?
3: Uh, so it's, it's a really interesting question. So there are two big parts to psychological immunity or a psychological immune system. The first one is about prediction and the second one is around our ability to cope with difficult or distressing events. So as a starting point, everything we can do as a human being is something which has evolved, which has helped us out in the context of survive and pass on our genetic material. And our emotions and our thought processes aren't any different. So everything we can do as a human being has been helpful at a point, but also has drawbacks. And that's what a psychological immune system is. It's this process whereby we're not very good at predicting how well we'll cope with distressing events and how much we'll enjoy positive events. And what that means is that we overestimate the amount of distress that we'll feel at challenging times, which helps avoid threats and dangers. And we overestimate the amount of enjoyment we think we'll get once we take off a goal. really common human experience is achieving something and not enjoying it quite as much or for quite as long as we thought and what that means is it keeps us striving towards goals it stops us feeling content for long periods which is really adaptive to the human because it keeps us always striving for for the next goal but equally it protects us from going into dangerous situations but once we're in a period of danger or challenge we tend to cope with it really well Mm. so its psychological immune system is this thing our brain does wrong, in terms of objectively wrong, in terms of rationalised predictions but is really helpful in terms of survival and coping with difficult things
1: It's rather an intangible diffuse concept, is it measurable and how would you measure it?
3: So that's a really good question, Um, so we can measure it, Um, so there's been numerous studies on exactly that, so on prediction so we ask participants to predict um, their emotional reactions to lots of different events. and um, They then participate in the events and we see how distressing or enjoyable they find the events. And what we consistently find in research is that people get it wrong on two uh, m- main dichotomies. So they are quite good at predicting the direction of the emotion, so whether they experience the event as good or bad. But the bit pe- people are really bad at is predicting the intensity of the emotion so how distressing or challenging they find the event or how positive they find the event and for how long so in terms of distressing events we tend to find that the intensity isn't quite as bad as we thought and we don't feel that emotion quite as long as we thought we would Mm
1: -hmm. that's interesting Uh, and what is the importance of the psychological immune system and how does it function within the body
3: Sorry, I lost the line. Could you say that again, please?
1: So the psychological immune system, how does it function within the body?
3: Mm. So really what it is, is a series of cognitive processes which allow us to make sense of challenging events. So if we take an example, so say there's a job that you really want and you go to the interview. Now in the lead up, our brain does a couple of things. So it will paint the job as the perfect um, opportunity which is really important because it keeps us focused and striving towards the goal. But then if we have the interview and we don't get it, when our psychological immune system is working really well, it makes sense of that distressing event by attributing the reasons we didn't get the job externalised ex- externally. So there's a big panel, there's a couple of interviews who didn't like me. Um, I just wasn't myself on the day. There's a huge amount of competition so rather than attributing the reasons for the distressing event internally, so it's my fault, we have a realistic appraisal of all the different things which have contributed to that event. It places that event in context. So that's not the only thing going on in my life. There's lots of other things which are happening now. So I might not have got the job, but I've still got another job. I've got a relationship which I enjoy. And next week I'm going on holiday. So that event becomes less important in the context of the rest of our lives. It's realistic about the alternative, so it realistically appraises the alternative. So actually, there might have been about things about that job that I wouldn't have enjoyed. There might have been lots of responsibility and pressure and stress and paperwork. And actually, my current job, there's aspects of that I really enjoy, that I've got great colleagues. It hmm. so really is this set of processes which helps us cope and make sense of what is happening to us in that moment.
1: Okay. Um, I've got my colleague as well um, if uh, you don't mind um, attending to his questions but before uh, I ask him to jump in uh, one last uh, point from me, how, how do stressful situations impact our cognitive function?
3: Uh, so that's another one we've got a lot of research on so really so there's two parts of our brain so there's a very old part of our brain or our old brain um, and that's the part of our brain which houses our emotional control center, so our fight-flight response to our anxiety systems, but also the part which deals with the core functions which keep us alive. So our heart rate, our breathing rate, our temperature control. And we've got this clever brain or new brain over the top, which is a, a cortex, which has evolved over time. So the, our ability to think and plan and imagine and worry. And what happens in stressful situations is this cool, old part of our brain, the anxiety response takes over and what that does is it really shrinks our repertoire of behaviours that we have access to. So when we're feeling great we can access the clever part of our brain we can do all the clever human functions which allow us to rationalise solve, and do things me well and when we're placed in stressful situations the anxiety part of our brain takes over the old part of our brain takes over and actually the amount of um, planning problem solving we can do shrinks and the more stressful the situation is the more it shrinks until we're left with the only responses we can choose being the fight-flight response or the freeze response so actually we seize up completely and we're scanning for future dangers. Mm. We want to problem solve, get rid of the difficult thing or we want to get away from it completely so we lose the ability to think rationally.
1: Yes, very interesting. Um, Over you. Uh...
0: Uh, good morning thank you for joining us dr. dr joseph um it's very interesting this conversation and uh, i think our next question uh, is really uh how can we um you know resolve some of these you know when someone is in a stressful situation as you mentioned you know uh, quite often when we're under stress we, we can't really think about anything else Or look for a solution. So in what ways can we strengthen our psychological immune system, if you can please answer that?
3: Yeah, so it's another good question. And really, because the psychological immune system is the set of implicit or intrinsic processes, it's based on biases, it's really difficult to actively make the psychological immune system work. So what we can do instead is we can allow it to function by a set of indirect processes, So actually, if we've got this setup whereby we're overestimating how difficult, difficult things are going to be, but once we're in them, we tend to cope better than we think. Actually, by responding to that anxiety, if there's something which matters by taking small steps to get going and do the important thing, we give the second part of our psychological immune system a chance to um, step in and cope. So actually, we can use something called a motivation ladder, which is starting with really small steps, achievable activities, which are important to get going. What we tend to find as human beings is that uh, motivation comes after activity. So if we can get started with something challenging, even for a few minutes, we tend to cope reasonably well with it, and able to carry on with the activity. We need to start the activity and stay in it just until the anxiety response starts to drop, which physiologically has to over time, while that adrenaline's re-uptaken into the body. But if we can get started with things, we give our psychological immune system the opportunity to kick in and help us cope. In the same vein, by having restructured routines, we need less cognitive function to get going with activities, especially challenging ones. They become habitual, automatic processes. So when we're placed in stressful situations and our repertoire of behavior shrinks, Actually, we don't need to access the rational cognitive function if we've got a really strong routine because we're doing things habitually. Sleep becomes really important. Actually, sleep is where we recuperate and recover our psychological processes, our ability to function and rationalize and do the clever cognitive stuff that our psychological immune system does. So if we've got a really solid sleep routine, actually we give our psychological immune system a boost as well as our physical health. And the last thing was probably to gain um, perspective in the sense of when challenging events happen, if we can acknowledge that those things are a part of our lives, but there are other things in our lives going along, um, going on alongside that, actually the impact of that stressful event becomes lessened because we're putting it into perspective both in the moment and in the context of our lives. So this might be stressful, but it's one moment in our lives in the context of our entire future.
0: Perfect, thank you so much for that. Uh, some great advice there. And also, what advice would you give to people who may be struggling to keep a positive mindset after experiencing stressful times?
3: So, I think for me, the most important thing to say is that stressful times are a really normal part of being a human being. So, researchers broadly agree um, that's who said that the human experience is negative. In the sense that researchers feel there's different, different researchers will postulate there's different numbers of human emotions and ranges that we can feel. But they agree that roughly, to say, the emotions on those lists are challenging or negative. So as an example, six core emotions would be anger, fear, enjoyment, sadness, disgust and surprise. And arguably only enjoyment and surprise are positive ones. And what that tells us is actually two-thirds of the human experience, we're going uh, to spend feeling in periods of distress, challenge, and not happy or content. Again, that's really important as human beings because feeling content means we're not striving towards goals. Historically, it means we'd have been vulnerable to predators. So actually, there's a false dichotomy here and the real danger of what I might term po- toxic positivity in the sense that there's a narrative across society that human beings are designed to feel positive and when we're not, we're failing. Actually, when we're struggling with our mental health or a distressing time in our lives, if we're told we should be feeling positive or getting over it, that compounds the distress. It makes us feel like the problem's internal. It's confounding our psychological human system, which is designed to tell us that the problem is external. And actually, in times of, for example, bereavement or loss or trauma, Actually, the human body and brain is designed to feel distressed. Actually, that distress is an indicator that there's something in our life which is conflicting with our value set. There's something important which has gone wrong. So by acknowledging that distress rather than trying to get away from it or fix it, we can find the things in our life which are important. And by asking ourselves, what do I want to stand for in this moment? Or what's the important thing in my life that I'd have to not care about for this to hurt? And by acknowledging the emotion rather than trying to get rid of it, we give ourselves the opportunity to adaptively make choices, which bring us meaning, rather than focusing on getting rid of the distress, which can drag us into that reduced repertoire of behaviours, our flight, flight response, and further compounding our distress.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much. Uh, I think uh, one more question I had, uh, Dr. Baker, is that do you think... Um, mental health issues uh, is on the rise and if so, why, why do you think that is?
3: Mm. So that's a good question. I'm not sure. We don't have evidence to suggest that mental health difficulties are necessarily becoming more prevalent, mm. but we're becoming better at talking about them. Um, so although prevalences might appear to be rising in um, certain Conditions in certain demographics. Mm. What might also be quite likely is happening is actually people are more willing to talk about it, more more willing to identify mental health difficulties. So, uh, actually, one might experience that as as a positive. And also, human distress is relative, and um, that if we have a baseline of things going absolutely brilliantly throughout our her our her entire lives, we tend to be relatively less resilient to things going wrong rose times of um, crisis or stress, if that's been the baseline for many, many years, for an entire lifetime. Actually, what we tend to find is relatively, um, events might have less impact. Um, as an example, people with really high levels of anxiety tended to go better than expected during the pandemic in the sense that one of the components which comes with anxiety is constantly worrying, planning, going to the worst-case scenario and catastrophizing, Mm. which means when the worst-case scenario has happened, actually the brain has spent so much time responding to life as if um, catastrophic situations are happening all the time. Mm. When the real-world catastrophic situation happens, it's something that the brain's experienced with and it can cause relatively less stress. So in answer to your question, I'm not convinced that mental health difficulties are necessarily on the rise although mm. there are elements in modern society
4: which definitely
0: compound them. Mm. Perfect. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Wick. I think um, one more. Uh, uh, my colleague, he also has a question he wanted to ask you. Uh,
1: um, yes, Dr. Barker. I mean, um, we were drawn to this uh, this particular subject by the work of Gilbert and and, and Wilson but uh, from my notes I also understand that you've also had a had the opportunity of uh, of researching this and uh, been award uh, uh, conducting award winning research in this field. What precisely was your research, and what what did it uh, show?
3: Um. So, in, in terms of mm, my research, it's looking yes. at this in relation to uh, suicide prediction and prevention. Mm-hmm. Um. So the ability of human beings and particularly of clinicians to predict and prevent um, individuals attempting uh, to take their own lives and what we've found is in line with um, prevention and prediction biases in terms of psychological immunity um, that we overestimate our ability to uh, predict uh, but actually in terms of prevention, by providing um, delayed strategies and uh, social support, access to services and education to uh, clinicians and mental health services, and um, that clinicians and the general public can have an impact in terms of helping or preventing.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, very interesting. So, it's, uh, Yes, I would love to talk to you for longer, but uh, the time seems to be up. Uh, thank you very much for coming on and uh, speaking to us, Dr. Doctor Barker.
3: Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Okay. Uh, bye-bye. Have a nice day.
3: And yourself. Bye.
1: Thank, thank you. you. And, okay. Bye-bye. Right. So that was Dr. Joseph Barker. He's a Chartered Clinical Psychologist, Clinical Lecturer, uh, and uh, Clinical Director at Connect Clinical Psychology, uh, currently leading an NHS uh, initiative project supporting people living with trauma, anxiety, and long-term health conditions across East Anglia. And the award-winning research, which I was probing him on, was uh, published uh, internationally. And uh, he has appeared for The Guardian, The Telegraph, BBC, and on MQ as an expert on topics including anxiety, psychological immunity, and trauma. So a very well-informed uh, guest uh, we had, uh, expert that we had to uh, enlighten us on this particular on this particular subject Where do no. we go from then uh yeah it, was, yeah it was
0: it was a really uh interesting point you was say he is uh when I asked him the question about does he think it's on the rise, of the i mean he said that one one aspect he said that i think people are just more uh they they're more open to it now i think um people discuss the topic of mental health more and more now than before, whereas um, it wasn't looked into more, but as research has increased now as well, Mm. it is a topic which can be openly discussed. Um, And uh, so, no, thank you for that. Um, And, you know, we've discussed um, this topic of mental health, uh, anxiety and depression a lot of the times as well. And... uh, it's 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 a topic uh i think which is very relevant and important and uh, it's very important i think from an islamic point of view as well that what does islam say to an individual who may be going through a tough time or maybe uh, going through some stress uh, well, what what is the solution so um you know we'll over the course of the next uh, 10 to 15 minutes after the 8 o'clock news, we will be exploring this topic as well. Um, I do have a small question and answer session, uh, Q- Q&A, uh, and this is a small clip. Uh, and His Holiness was asked the question uh, on anxiety and depression. Uh, so let's listen in to as to what His Holiness said to this.
2: That remembrance, my remembrance, And my zikr will satisfy your hearts. So, during these days, we should try to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. Offer our prayers fervently five times, if possible, in congregation. And also do some zikr. Say, Darur Sharif, istighfar. And seek Allah's guidance and help by walking, then Allah ta'ala will give you comfort and strengthen your heart.
0: So that was a small uh, clip of his earlier some May Allah uh, be yourself, answering the question um, on anxiety and depression that at that at such a time, you know, uh, one should also incline towards God Almighty and seek the help of Allah the Almighty. Um as uh, you know, as Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran, and this a particular verse that whenever we do enter mosques, especially the mosques of the Muslim community, you will see the on the dome, uh, the the verse Allah <inaudible> that truly it is the remembrance of Allah that hearts find comfort. So, His Holiness beautifully said that you know, one. Should also uh, incline towards God Almighty, focus towards His congregational prayers, His their voluntary prayers, and uh, seek the help of Allah the Almighty. So, a very beautiful answer that His Holiness gave. So, we'll we're just going to be taking a short break, the eight o'clock for the eight o'clock news, and uh, once we do come back, uh, we will be exploring this uh, this topic further. We'll be looking at the Islamic. Uh, perspective of this topic as well and uh, after that at 8 15 uh, we will be looking at the topic of uh, working for a healthier life um, so uh, that's also one topic we'll be looking at so don't go anywhere we'll be back after the news you are listening to the recording of a live show please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. minash shaitan rajim. Bismillah <laughs> ar-Rahman ar In the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful. As-salamu alaykum, peace be upon you. And welcome back to the Breakfast Show. You are listening to myself, Toki Ramad, and also uh, Brother Bleed here in the Voice of Islam Studios. And we were just discussing uh, the topic of uh, of anxiety, mental health. And uh, we did, we were very fortunate to listen to Dr. Joseph Baker as well, who is a chartered clinical psychologist and clinical director of Connect, uh, clinical psychology. So he gave his uh, expertise on this particular topic as well. Um, we're just now going to be looking at the Islamic perspective of this particular topic as well, that what does. Islam say for for someone who is going through um, stress or anxiety, what is the guidance feeling on that? So, someone you know who is having these symptoms, uh, you know, first thing to note that it is a normal thing and it happens to everyone from time to time. And in these instances, it's very important to always remember that. Uh, You you may feel uh, feelings of lonely uh, or anxiety or depression at this time, but you are not alone and it's important to combat this feeling head on. Um, And since a repetition of this feeling could lead to um, even more depression and anxiety, firstly, try and identify what is making you feel this way. And there are many things you can do to boost your morale in order to combat this feeling. And if it is low esteem, then start keeping a self-gratitude journal. And this keeps a record of all positive, rewarding, pleasant ex- experiences that you may look back to every night to increase joy. And positive self-talk on a daily basis as well as keeping company around you that is sympathetic encouraging motivating you c- can help uh, your overall mood i remember once um, when i was studying at uh, jamia uh an individual he he came to me and he said that he was finding uh, studying as a as a jamia student was very difficult um, and he was uh you know he was facing difficulty in his studies as well and one advice uh, his holiness gave and i really like this advice as well he said that his holiness said to him that every morning when you do wake up uh, and you look yourself in the mirror tell yourself you know that uh, um you're going to become this you're going to become a missionary and you're going to try your best to it and just encouraging yourself So sometimes, you know, you just need to maybe force yourself. You know, if someone who is uh, going through a difficult time, they just need to sort of just really push themselves, maybe look in the mirror. And uh, I think sometimes self-reflection is very important. And it goes in line with uh, one of the sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him as well, that, uh, you know, because in in the in the world that we live in, especially in the Western world, quite a lot of the times we are taken back by um, you know looking at other people who have exceeded us in in certain ways in terms of wealth or be it any other way. But the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, he said that do not look at someone who has excelled you in terms of wealth, but rather you should look at that individual. Who doesn't have the things that you don't have, um, you know, and and look at what God Almighty has blessed you with, all of the things, um, and that way you will have self-gratitude within your heart, and in terms of spirituality, uh, then look at that individual who has excelled in spirituality, who is uh, who is more punctual in his in his five daily prayers, or who who has that connection with Allah the Almighty and that way it will boost your own morale and it, it will help you to um, also increase in your spirituality focus towards that um, So, so always you know do remember that as well and with positive family and friends around you these feelings of worthlessness and loneliness they diminish and sometimes it is we who are being lazy and about about reaching out to friends and family, and thus feeling lonely, so getting together with friends and family may just be a phone call or a way to arrange and in conjunction with solidifying positive relationships between yourself and others, it is essential to keep yourself busy and um, so another very beautiful point that you know surround yourself with positive people, your family and your friends, and at times it is very difficult to maybe. Express your feelings or you know that you are getting of loneliness or anxiety, but have those positive individuals around you you know and that is also a great means of uh, having a very positive mindset and uh, another advice here is that if you feel lonely persistently or you are developing these symptoms persistently, then even coming to a congregational prayer at the mosque can improve your mood. And it is Islam's way of ensuring that no one feels lonely as it gives multiple opportunities every day to meet up with other members of the community and build new friendship and ultimately improve both our spiritual lives and worldly connections. And another way to meet new people is to see what is happening in in your community online or at your local community center. And if you are not keen on physical activity, you can do something creative such as a puzzle and another activity you can participate is in meditation which is it's which is in its best form would be the spiritual closeness to god almighty and through offering salat with both sin- sincerity and hope a simple way of improving salat is to set aside a good amount of time for a voluntary salat and ensuring that the time allocated is going to be quiet and no one will disturb and doing it in a closed room and this will allow you to open up to God about how you may be feeling and can ultimately make you feel better and in addition to this sometimes volunteering offering a helping hand can help you realize your own value and worth and the most beneficial thing you can do uh, for your mental health is to try identify what brings you joy and what activities bring you peace and so that you can participate more in that and in turn if you are constantly having a feeling of uh, of loneliness of anxiety and depression with no positive change and none of these suggestions help then it may be time to go and seek professional help since this can be a symptom of clinical depression. So always do remember that as well, that if um, you are, you know, facing these persistent symptoms and they don't resolve, uh, then ultimately, you know, do seek medical help. Um, and, you know, quite often to combat these feelings of, of loneliness, of anxiety, as loneliness always says as well, that, you know, go out for a walk, Enjoy the beautiful nature, uh, you know, look at uh, look at animals, and and you know, just, just make your mood a lot more positive. Um, and th- this, this will change your mindset as well. And as I was mentioning earlier, that try meditation, and the best form of meditation is salat, and you'll see that within Islam all these different postures are there you know within islam in, if you look at the five daily prayers one is standing before allah the almighty one is bowing down before allah the almighty or one is in prostration uh, before allah the almighty so these different uh, postures uh, islam has that is why islam is the best of religion in even in terms of its prayers you will see that uh, whereas various religions they either might be just standing or they might be uh, they might be bowing down but in Islam it has all the different postures and uh, it is mentioned regarding the prostration as well that this is when you are the most closest to Allah the Almighty and uh, within your prostration although throughout the uh, throughout the salah there is the arabic arabic that you read or that one's, one person reads as well and i would urge our brothers as well our muslim brothers and sisters as well that when they are praying that make sure they know the translation of the prayers or they know what they are saying um as, as this will help them increase Their attention towards their prayers, but regarding the prostration, it is it is said that you can pray in whichever language you want within your mother tongue, and this is uh, it is said that this is the closest uh, you know that you are with Allah the Almighty in this particular position. Um, So that is uh, the guidance uh, you know on this. If someone is feeling this. Uh, having these feelings of uh, loneliness or anxiety, uh, so this is uh, what one should know, and uh, also for a believer, uh, true solace and comfort is found through the remembrance of Allah. And studies have shown that remaining in in isolation, it further intensifies grief and sorrow. And His Holiness, he explains Islam's concept of happiness versus grief. And he explained that gathering of people together and social interaction with others is what brings happiness. By contrast, grief and sorrow are intensified when a person prefers solitude and isolation. And when a person stays away from other people for longer periods, it eventually it can lead to depression. However, by sitting in the company of uh, their friends and expressing their grief their feelings of grief or depression can be reduced so it is in the remembrance of Allah that hearts find comfort the verse which I mentioned earlier and this is from chapter 13 verse 29 so we should turn to Allah and beseech help and support from Him and Islam also guides us to increasingly participate in social activities after such events and those who are having symptoms of depression, they are told by even by psychiatrists to go and socialize with others, to get some fresh air and exercise and to meet people instead of being isolated. Uh, so with that, we'll, we'll close this uh, particular topic. Uh, Brother Vlid, if you do have anything you want to add to this, you can do so. And uh, I'll give the mic to you too, please.
1: No, thank you very much, Tukir. Um, okay. I think uh, what you've said has been very comprehensive, uh, little to add to that. Um, I think it's best if we move on to uh, the second of our main topics. Uh, it is regarding uh, a healthier life, uh, walking for a healthier life. How increasing your step count could reduce your risk of dying an early death. So that's the topic. Uh, and the gist, uh, I suppose, of uh, this, or the background to this particular item is that in today's hectic world, it can be very challenging to achieve the daily goal of 10,000 steps, and we often feel demotivated when we do not achieve this target. Fortunately, research has shown that integrating even a small amount of physical activity into our day-to-day lives can make a positive impact on our well-being. And in this segment, uh, this is what we'll be exploring, and in particular, the link between walking and longevity. Now, how much exercise did researchers find correlated with the reduced risk of dying from any any cause? Well, research published in the European Journal of Preventative Cardiology found that the more you walk, the better your well-being. It found that the people who walked the most had the lowest risk of premature mortality. Specifically, those who walked over 20,000 steps per day uh, had uh, lower risk of uh, premature morta- mortality. Uh, walking as little as 4,000 steps per day it significantly reduces your risk from dying of any cause, and even fewer steps could reduce your risk of dying from cardiovascular disease. A daily increase of one thousand steps is associated with a fifteen percent reduction in mortality from any cause while an increase of five hundred steps is associated with a seven percent reduction in mortality from cardiovascular disease. Um, studies should not uh, prove could not prove conclusively whether steps themselves lower the risk of diseases and death, or whether healthier people get more steps throughout the day as well. Due to the fact that researchers combine data from several studies, it may not be beneficial for all individuals to follow that 4,000-step target. Um, How can this research encourage more people to stay alive is another question that can be well, it can often be discouraging when we feel uh, to meet the goal of or we fail to meet the goal of 10,000 steps that so many of us have. However, this study highlights the importance of even a little exercise for our overall health. It takes approximately 10 to 15 minutes to walk another 1,000 steps and 5 to seven minutes to walk another 500 steps. There is great encouragement to be able to see that even the smallest amount of physical activity you are doing every day is beneficial to your health, knowing this can make it easier to maintain a positive attitude when you aren't able to accomplish number of steps uh, a certain number of steps every day so that's the uh, the research that's what it says there is of course an Islamic angle to this an Islamic. Uh, viewpoint that uh, can be mentioned, and that will be taken up by Imam Tafii. <laughs> how about you, sir?
0: love <laughs> for that, um, it's a you know it's, it's a topic we we quite often discuss here on Voice of Islam as well. Um, how often um, you know what we can do to um, look after our physical health and uh, and stay fit, and quite often. I quote the um the saying of the holy prophet peace be upon him that al uh, that a healthy believer is uh, is better than a weak believer um so you know one should focus towards his physical health um uh, all of us really um sometimes you know especially living here in the um in the Western world it, i mean it it becomes so w- busy that, you know, it's very difficult to make maybe give time to our physical uh health as well. But uh you know, as as the early prophet peace be upon him mm-hmm. said that, you know, even your body has a right on you, um and uh you, you should you should take time out to look after your physical health as well. Um be it you know even if it's uh, even if it's just a walk you know even if you have to go to the park for a walk um and uh especially nowadays you know the watches that we do have uh fitbit or you can get apple as well but there's so many these watches now that uh, they monitor how many steps you do or even on your phone um and that can also be encouraging um it can push you even more that just by walking you can calculate okay this today I walked maybe four thousand steps um and you can challenge yourself um in you can give yourself a monthly goal uh that by the end of the year you'll be you would want to walk um ten thousand steps um have you ever calculated your steps when you've been in uh, Islamabad willisa
1: Oh, no, I haven't. Uh, I've have calculated my number of steps I've taken when I've been in Bathapur, but not in Islamabad. No.
0: It's because it's a lot more bigger. It's mm. a lot more to walk on. I quite often see that um, whenever I'm in Islamabad, you know, I my steps the mm. the results they often shoot shoot up. Um just, you just tend because, to walk more. Uh, tend to walk more, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just to maybe get one thing, uh, you know, to go from one to the other, you have to walk quite a bit. Um, and even during uh, Jalsa days, I think uh, when I looked at my steps, it went uh, at least to fifteen thousand or twenty thousand during Jalsa days. Even, even to go to for food, you know, how uh, many thousand? I think maybe fifteen thousand at least. Oh, right, right. J- just because you know had to walk so much um
1: okay, a path of I'm just looking this up I do about three thousand steps that's nothing is it
0: no that's that's also very good as well is it? um i I think I think to be honest, everyone can uh just really give them sort of like small little goals right uh-huh. um that maybe four thousand and then just increase it slowly yeah. um I think whenever I do on a good day, I'll probably do 10,000, but uh, usually uh, if I don't do any exercise I'll probably be around 6,000 7,000, so not that much really not that much Mm. Uh, we do have a uh, a small clip, uh, which his holiness is a Muslim which he's given um, and it is the he's highlighted the importance of exercise And this was uh, from um, one of his speeches which he gave to the MD Muslim Youth Association, the annual gathering in 2019. And he also highlighted the importance of exercise. So let's listen it.
2: Taking part in sports and doing exercise is important because it enables a person to stay fit And if a person is physically strong and healthy and uh, he is better able to worship and fulfill the rights of Allah the Almighty and His creation.
0: So that was a small clip from His Holiness on uh, importance of exercise. Um, I do have uh, some quotes here also from uh, the from the third Caliph of the Muslim community, in which he explains the importance of uh, of you know looking after one's physical health. Um, and uh, quite often, it was the third Caliph who had highlighted. Um, cycling, the importance of cycling as well, um, and quite often he would he would encourage the youth that uh, you know they they should at least uh, you know set a target and cycle at least this much. Um, so at one place, uh, he said that why do you stand for buses and waste your time? Exercise and become healthy, and ride a bicycle. I've said it before and I say it again today, in a short time I want 100,000 Ahmadi cycles and Ahmadi cycle is that which is ridden by an Ahmadi. And these 100,000 Ahmadi cycles, they should have the ability to cycle up to 100 miles in a day. And also um, in one of his opening speeches uh, addressing the Ahmadi Muslim Youth Association in one of the annual gatherings in Pakistan, On the 2nd of November, uh, 1973, his holiness, addressing the audience, he said that there are thousands of other advantages to cycling too. For example, many have to go out for household errands or shopping, and if you have a cycle, you will save a lot of of your quality time, and the following glad tidings will also be fulfilled in your person. That was given to the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, in these words that you are the Sheikh, you are the Messiah, whose time shall not be wasted. Thus, we have to attentive, be attentive towards time-saving and obtain maximum benefit from the little time available so that those blessings may be fulfilled in ourselves. So what a beautiful quote from the Third Caliph as well that... Uh, as it was revealed to the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, that uh, you know, you are the sheikh and you are the Messiah, and your time shall not be wasted. Similarly, being the followers of uh, you know, the the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, we should also look after ourselves and we should not waste time. And uh, you know, that that means that even cycling, um, going from one place to other, you'll be saving your time in in a lot of ways. Uh, So that is also another beautiful quote from His Holiness. Uh, Also, um, the fourth caliph, Azamizah Tahir Ahmed, uh, he also has written a book on this, and uh, that book is called Steps to Exercise. Uh, Have have you read read that book, Brother
1: Waleed? Yes, uh, I have. Yes.
0: What? What? I've I've not read it myself actually. What? What does it? Uh, what are some of the exercises uh, written in that book?
1: Yes, I re- I read it, but I haven't. I don't remember what what it said, unfortunately. But there's various exercises and there's various um, images as well uh, that I use to illustrate the type of exercises that you should engage in.
0: Yeah, so it actually a little brief introduction on this on this book is that uh it mentions that there's no restriction on this in terms of old age so anyone can do these exercises so I would urge uh the listeners as well to benefit from that. Um Promised Messiah, peace be upon him the founder of the MD Muslim community he is also at one place he's mentioned that so far as our eating, drinking, sleeping uh, are, and waking are concerned, there are essential physical actions and they affect our spiritual well-being. And our physical self is manifestly related to our humanity and the relationship of body and soul is such that one cannot explain it easily. And careful Observation shows that body is the mother of soul. Uh, so that is also a very beautiful quote of the promised Messiah piece upon him as well. That he mentions that the body is actually interlinked with the soul, and uh, if if we are if we are healthy as well, then that itself will have an immediate effect on our soul as well. So, um, and in, I in and our. In our Say here as well that someone who is physically fit, then they are also able to perform their five daily prayers as well. As uh, you know, as as a as a Muslim, the the Holy Quran mentions that someone, um, as a Muslim uh, person, a Muslim man, he is a, it is incumbent upon him to read the five daily prayers in congregation at the mosque, and one who uh, continuously at the time of each prayer, he goes to the mosque and he offers the five daily prayers. That itself uh, requires a lot of physical effort as well. So, you, you know, we should really look after our physical health. And it was also narrated that once the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he participated in a race with Hazrat Aisha, peace be upon him. And uh, it is narrated that uh once the hazard aisha peace be upon him, she had uh beaten the holy prophet peace be upon him and once the holy prophet peace be upon him had uh beaten hazard aisha in the race and uh the promised messiah peace be upon him um he also used to exercise with weights and that is also well known um and uh the second khalif um he used to travel out of Kadian uh, for hunting, and once he participated in a race with his children and servants, on the bank of River Bayas, and he he used to say that we inculcate the habit of our phys- of physical exercise, so that we can be lethe and active, and so that our limbs become strong, and so that we gain courage, and uh, I think. W- or well, two more quotes I'll mention on this. Um, on, uh, in uh, once during a in on uh, 31st of March 1973, His Holiness said that cycling is an excellent form of exercise for maintaining good health. If one rode a bicycle slowly, one would be able to cover a distance of up to 100 miles a day. And the youth, the, the Khudam from all over Pakistan, they came to attend the Shura at that time on bicycles. And if cycling became a habit when the need arose, our youth would immediately meet the need without awaiting for other means of transport, such as cars. Uh, furthermore, on the 19th July 1973, during uh, with the visit of His Holiness to the UK. He gave the community, um, the target of training 100,000 active cyclists within seven years. And the scheme has spread to various parts of the world. And even on occasions of Chelsea, Solana, um, you know, we do have, uh, members who do cycle to the annual conventions, for example, here in the UK. Many came from Germany and also the annual convention, which is now taking place in Germany. Uh, many have gone from UK as well. They've cycled there. And this has been a tradition, uh, which is, which is, uh, still very much prevalent. And even on the occasion of Salana Benin in 2007, 23 members from four regions around the country. Came on bicycles, covering a difficult journey of 117 kilometers to attend the jalsa, and uh, also with regards to walking, um Azhar Nasir Ahmed. He was very keen. He was a very keen sportsman, and regularly, he took part in a variety of sports from an early age. And once he mentioned that I enjoyed playing hockey, and also. Whenever I get the chance, uh, I would pas- participate in several other games such as football, volleyball, tennis, squash, kabaddi, uh, merutaba a balancing chance, gulitanda, which is a bat and ball game, and kali parkana, which is a form of arm wrestling. Uh, and there are many streams, and he further says that there are many streams near where I would often go for swimming, and I regularly went for long walks, and as they are excellent form of exercise, and uh, this he mentioned in the in the Tashilul Azan magazine in the Nasiruddin edition on page 14. Yes, um, brother Lee, do you have any any incident you want to mention on this on uh, exercise on why it is important.
1: Uh, not particularly. It's not something that um, I am known for. Um, and uh, it is something that um, clearly is very important. And um, uh, we know that um, as far as um, walks are concerned, um, they are considered to be more beneficial than runs uh, or running and uh, I do remember uh, being uh, made aware of that fact by Hz. Rabbi, uh, the 4th Caliph of the Amdi Muslim community about this. And it is also interesting to know that when it comes to exercise that um, all our uh, Khulafa, these are successors of the Promised Messiah and the Promised Messiah himself, uh, were, had a habit of taking walks. and. Uh, Taking morning walks, and uh, this was also the uh, practice of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. So, when we talk about um, the virtue of, uh, or the benefits of uh, walking, then we can certainly also refer uh, ourselves to the practice of our, of our holy leaders as well, that uh, they had this uh, habit and it was well-placed um, uh, well, well placed that they had this habit because uh, it was very um, uh, conducive to good health. Um, so even uh, if it is not from the health point of view that we're motivated to try and uh, uh, engage in a habit of walking, then uh, it should certainly us, motivate us from a spiritual side of following the precepts. Of um, of uh, of the example of uh, uh, our holy leaders to to adopt this practice, and um, um, science and uh, research has proved that to be that uh, it is very beneficial to engage in in walking in steps in increasing the number of steps you take. Uh, I suppose I think from a natural standpoint, a physical standpoint. That's the way that we have been built. That is the way that we have been created that uh, walking is something that uh, is beneficial to the human condition. And if we uh, succumb to the, uh, uh, the, um, the, um, um the good life, uh, how can I say the comforts of this, uh, of this life or the comforts of the, the era that we are passing through as uh, as humanity, uh, then uh, we will suffer if uh, we don't. Uh, if we, as a result of succumbing to the comforts of this world, uh, take uh, walking out of our regular uh, regular habits, and I think that um, it is really very important.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and. Uh no, I think we've uh, we've said <laughs> quite a lot on this uh on this topic of exercise, but
1: uh It's one of the I think one this was one of the reasons why in nineteen eighty five the fourth caliph of the Muslim community started the Marathon Walks. Uh they were supposed to be marathon walks um and their focus was on on exercise rather than on on uh on charity funding or charity um are raising money for charity, um, but uh, that was one of the one of the key reasons. And again, it was something that uh, uh, was started off when it uh, came to the planning. It started off as a run. We thought that we'd do a 26 month, 26 mile run, just like the marathons that were being run or introduced in London at the time. But his owner said that uh, we, the condition that we're in uh, as amateurs when it comes to such exercise uh, would not be conducive to having a run. He said that uh, if we had a run, then you will be all uh, washed out after the first five or ten miles. So he recommended uh, that uh, we uh, convert this to a walk and have a walk instead. And that is what we did. And I suppose that it was also, I think, um, part of the reason why he encouraged us to change it to a walk was because, in his view, walking was more beneficial than running. Uh, And he said so, uh, that uh, this was the case. So, um, yes, so walking, increasing your steps, is something that uh, we have been encouraged to do uh, for a long, long time. Whether we adopted it or not is another matter. Individually,
0: absolutely, and and the thing is nowadays uh, we we just use our cars, or you know maybe if we are going even um, two three minutes down the road as well, we'll prefer to take the easier route. Mm. Um, and I and I think back in the days, if we go maybe thirty forty years back, um, I think walking was a lot more encouraged. Mm. Um, what would you say to that? I mean, because I know yes.
1: So walking was uh, because cars were not so prevalent in those days. Cycles, yes, we used to have cycles, but it was more prevalent. <clears throat> I mean, in Batterforth, for instance, we we've got a, a car park that uh, can accommodate something like 350 50 cars, and there are calls for um, for for um, uh, establishing or uh, mm-hmm. constructing a car park here. But uh, our Amir, uh, the head of the UK administration of the Muslim community, has again advised that uh, you know we should uh, be more uh, we should be we should be more encouraged to to, to walk. Uh, just having a car park so that it's right next to a mosque um, is is good enough. Uh, even though it uh, accommodates 350 350 cars. But there are places very near to to the mosque uh, where public uh, uh, parking is provided. And it is less than 10,000 steps away. So his advice is that we should uh, encourage ourselves to walk a bit more, uh, even if it is uh, a quarter of a mile to get to the mosque. Then that should not uh, be an hindrance. So we should not uh, allow ourselves to succumb to the comforts of uh, the world that uh, we've come to live in and has developed uh, since you were born or before <laughs> you were born, where uh, you know we feel a need to travel by car uh, even when it comes to short, very short distances, and uh, feel a necessity. Of uh, having a car park right next to uh, where we are going, if we need to walk, we should not uh, shirk that. We should not uh, reject that or uh, be feel um, uh, feel disturbed by that. Um, it's a good thing that if we are able to walk a short distance from a car park nearby to get to the mosque, uh, and also there's. Uh, Blessings as well associated with uh, people who walk to the mosque as well, so that mm. should not be mm. that should not be um, overlooked either.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, you, you know I, th- I think uh, you've uh, very rightly said that uh, walking should be more encouraged. Um, you know, you can do many other activities as well. Um, there's a lot of the sports as well, such as football or anything really, um, uh, which where one can look after one's physical health. And quite often, in within the community as well, there, even if we go to places such as the countryside as well, I know a lot of the community they do hikes. Um, you know, they'll go to, uh, maybe the beach. Um, a lot of the youth, um, even, uh, I think just uh i within this month one of our regions here in the MD Muslim Youth Youth Association, uh a lot of the boys, uh about, I think twenty, thirty boys they went to Snowdonia for mm-hmm. a hike. So it is uh something uh which is very much encouraged within the community as well. Um and uh w I think um we do have um Canado on the line, brother Kanado who is all the way from Scotland um and uh, he wanted to also share his uh his thoughts on this uh particular topic as well and uh, he is a representative of um of MTA Africa countries also a manager for Ghana and Nigeria um and uh, I'm your UK. Assalamualaikum. Peace be upon you. Thank you for joining us this morning.
4: Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank, thanks for having me. Thank you. How are you too?
0: I'm doing very well. How are you, Brother Kanado?
4: I'm good, alhamdulillah.
0: Thank you for accepting our request and uh, uh, joining us this morning. Uh, we're discussing the topic of Physical health, and uh, I suppose I wanted to ask you the same question. Why do you think it's important to exercise? Uh,
4: th- thanks. I think this is a very, very important question, especially uh, uh, what we see in this in this very uh, day and age, where <laughs> we we are moving towards the technology. Uh, we we seem to be grabbing our phones all the time and, and kids uh, sticking to the video games and whatever it is, uh, staying indoors and whatever. So it is something very, very important that uh, this topic has been discussed. Um, but then certainly, um, keeping to that, I mean, uh, exercise is, is so important in the sense that there's this uh, element of the, the brain development as well, even because obviously when you, get, you, you, you reduce mm-hmm. your physical ex- exercise and, and start sticking yourself somewhere, uh, it doesn't it doesn't help your your brain health as well we know definitely that uh, we have the issue of weight which is now a major i mean issue within uh, even the uh, the the black uh, i mean community as well in in, in the united kingdom I mean, in fact in fact honestly uh, in the in the western world is become a major major issue where obesity and weight is, is now something that is, is is a major factor that uh, all the the, the government are now working very hard, and a lot of uh, money is now spent on, spent on health to, to, to get us sorted as well. We have the issue of um, the, the risk of the diseases. Certainly when you put on weight and then uh, <laughs> we have fat and cholesterol coming in, then we know what comes with it as well. Um, if you doing regular exercise, your bones are certainly strengthened. Uh, you have good muscles where you can look very fit and very sharp in everything that you do. Uh, it also improves your ability to do everyday activities. Certainly when you are fit, you walk about, you go about, and then that makes you very, very healthy in everything that you do rather than feeling dull and feeling lazy and then at times not being able to do even some of the very basic things that you need to do in life, yes. Yeah. So these are some of the things that I think mm-hmm. would help if, if we're doing the physical exercise and why it's important that we do that physical exercise, Yeah.
0: No, thank you so much for, for that. Very some very great points. Um, I think just one more uh, question from my side is that, you know, as as a as a Muslim, what what does Islam say when it comes to one's uh, physical exercise as well? And uh, also, if you could mention something about the community in our uh, the Muslim community in Scotland, some of the initiatives they do to look after the youth. Uh, look after their physical health, or you know, maybe I because I know some of the brothers from here as well. Just recently, they also went to Snowdonia and they went for a hike. So, what is some of the stuff, some of the initiatives the community is doing there?
4: Yes, I think uh, when we need to talk of Islam, I guess uh, Islam is, is is a religion of uh, of life. It's a religion that literally fits into the perfect uh, uh, lifestyle, and we see that even um, our normal way of uh, prayers as Muslims doing five times a day, and then um, I would say probably about 34 times in a day, you'll be seeing every Muslim going up and down doing that, that physical exercise. So it's, it's literally built into our normal lifestyle already as, as Muslims. But the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, actually beautifully puts it that, uh, I mean, uh, a, a believer who is, who is fit and who is healthy, it's far better than a believer who is not fit. I'm just paraphrasing it. Mm. Who is not fit or who is not healthy in, in that sense. So you notice that certainly in Islam is something that is really, really very much encouraged. And we see, I mean, in the life of the Prophet himself that that kind of brisk walking was very much of him. We saw the promised Messiah, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, peace be upon him, that he made it a regular routine of his life that uh, every time he would be, He'll be doing that uh, regular walking exercise to the point that uh, even at times he'll walk up to three kilometers, up to even five uh, kilometers every morning, just just before Fajr or even after Fajr. And we noticed that our Khulafa, uh, the, the, even the present caliph have regularly been advising us, and he does it as well, that, yes, keep keep up the exercise, keep, keep it going, and you see him actually doing that uh, physical exercise after Fajr every day to keep himself very fit. And then you can see it in in, in himself because the workload that is got, If it's not fit, then that certainly is going to be very difficult for him to undertake his tax as well. So that is the advice that he gives, up. and that is uh, something that we see actually uh, epitomised in the whole. I mean, community, the the, the Jamaat as, as a whole, the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community. Every part of the world that you go, you see the auxiliary organisations, be it the youth, or the ladies, or the 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 old group and quite recently some of the 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 eldest group uh, the, the, uh, beyond the ages of 40 and above and the the the, 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 the caliph was very much insistent uh, on on the on the on their on their health and just trying to check are they cycling every day how many how many kilometers are they cycling and then also advising very regularly that we should get into the habit of walking instead of I mean driving if the distance is not that much. Then we should try to walk it rather than rather than uh, driving it because that keeps us healthy as well as it, it saves the whole uh, economy. Uh, uh, the the whole um, uh, 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 what, what are we uh, talking about recently about the saving the the um, going green and all those be- mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. that is also one one very important way of saving. it. But when it comes to talk of Scotland, I think we are not any anything different when it comes to. The whole jamaat. We have uh, um, uh, the youth, for instance. Uh, very regularly, have uh, the uh, 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 fajr fit. <laughs> the fajr fit literally after fajr means we have to be going for some exercise, some going for some walks. Uh, we have uh, football sessions every every, and I I play myself once or twice every week, mm-hmm. uh, at least at least a minimum of an, an hour session, uh, uh, which which keeps us very active and very very fit uh, for whatever we do. We have the charity walks as well, which is which normally done in the beautiful park very close to the Glasgow Central Mosque, uh, the Ahmadiyya Beto Rahman Mosque and then the Glasgow University, the Kevin Grove Park. So there are there are various activities which are actually done to just keep the, the, the Jamaat members very active and also keep them going to keep them fit, um, a fit body, fit mind, fit soul, and a healthy believer. So this is what we do.
0: Zaklam, brother Ahmed, Kanada, uh, for your contribution this morning and uh, sharing your uh, thoughts on this subject. Thanks so much.
4: Thank you. Thank
1: you for having me. Thank you. Yes, I'm. I'm glad you mentioned uh, walks because i just remembered that uh, the elders of the MBM Sim community in the UK uh, also started an initiative of encouraging uh, um, after-fajr for members to go on walks and uh, it caught on quite well. I don't know whether it's still taking place or not but uh, that was one of the initiatives that uh, was undertaken um, by this section of the Ambulism community here in, the, in this country.
0: Great. Uh, I think uh, that leaves us to uh, the close of the show and uh, I'll hand okay. the mic over to you, brother, to okay. conclude the
1: Thank you very much, yes. uh, So uh, now that we're coming to the end, or nearing the end of this uh, broadcast, uh, we need uh, certainly to remember those uh, who have uh, helped in uh, producing the show, particularly our uh, producer Eamon, uh, and then her researchers, Hala and Faiza, they're all worthy of our thanks. Uh, Muhammad Shafiq is also... Uh, very much worthy of our thanks for making sure that everything went uh, smoothly and it certainly did uh, as far as the technical side of the program is concerned, so thank you to him Uh, During the course of this uh, program we discussed uh, two main uh, topics, Uh, one was what is psychological uh, immunity and how we can build ours and uh, in this respect uh, we were treated to the expert uh, views of uh, Dr. Joseph Barker, a a chartered clinical psychologist, clinical lecturer, uh, a clinical director of Connect Clinical Psychology, so a very well-learned scholar that uh, we had on the show to lend his expertise to what we were discussing, and uh, he is currently leading an NHS initiative project supporting people living with trauma, anxiety and long-term health conditions across East Anglia and has also been engaged in award-winning research that has been published internationally. So we were re- very pleased to have got him on our show. So um, I think well done to uh, our researchers and producer to have uh, persuaded him to... Uh, uh, come and uh, <clears throat> help us understand this particular topic and he certainly did uh, during the course of uh, the interview we had with him. So that was the first main topic, what is psychology immunity, psychological immunity and how we can uh, build ours and the second main topic that we were discussing just before the end was uh, walking for a healthier life how increasing your step count could reduce your risk for uh, of dying an early death and this is was based on something that i picked up from one of the websites um, that uh, showed that it was beneficial even five even a small increase in uh, in uh, the number of steps we take uh, is of benefit to us and it was uh, something that was published in the european journal that uh, prompted uh, Us to uh, pick up this particular topic, Uh, and uh, uh, so this uh, was also supplemented by the uh, um, by the um, um, the guidance that has been given to us uh, in the Muslim community by our leaders and uh, by the various initiatives that have been undertaken by the community to. Uh, ensure that uh, we are remain healthy and one of the ways to do that is to engage in walking and uh, certainly from that to increase the number of steps we take. Um, so that uh, uh, brings us yes to a close of this part of uh, thank yous and uh, expressing gratitude to those who have contributed to our show. Um, thank you to our listeners for uh, staying with us and uh, do join us again from monday to friday seven to nine o'clock for the breakfast show so until next friday uh, myself and uh, imam toki will be with you again so until then this is from us both and here's a short break and after that break we'll have the news assalamualaikum